0: Welcome to this episode of the Elite Advisor Blueprint Podcast with your host, Brad Johnson. Brad's the VP of Advisor Development at Advisors Excel, the largest independent insurance brokerage company in the U.S., He's also a regular contributor to Investment News, The Wall Street Journal, and other industry publications. Welcome to the Elite Advisor Blueprint, the podcast for world-class financial advisors. My name is Brad Johnson. I'm the VP of Advisor Development at Advisors Excel. And it's my goal to distill the best ideas and advice from top thought leaders and apply it to the world of independent financial advising. In today's conversation, I'm talking with my friend and special guest, Nicholas Kuzmich. Nick is best known as the world's leading Facebook advertising strategist and for delivering the highest ROIs in the industry, at his peak upwards of 30,000%. He's also the author of Give, the ultimate guide to using Facebook advertising to generate more leads, more clients, and massive ROI, and has worked with A-list clients like Tony Robbins and Joe Polish, as well as New York Times best-selling authors and a number of Inc. 500 companies. Today, he's going to break down a simple Facebook advertising strategy that all you financial advisors can use to go after prospects with laser focus. Nick will help you shine the light on the top 4% of prospects that result in 80% of your revenue. Here are just a few things we dive into. We start with an overview of why Nick believes Facebook is the most powerful direct response marketing platform on the planet and how financial advisors can utilize it to zero in on your most ideal prospects. Then Nick shares a story that speaks to how Facebook marketing performs versus traditional marketing. Nick went head-to-head with one of the greatest ad copywriters in the world. The results may surprise you. From there, Nick outlines a four-part lead generation framework that if he was a financial advisor, he'd use to identify top-tier prospects who would be an ideal fit to attend his next seminar or workshop. Direct on Facebook, how to get them to your event from there. Next, we get into how to efficiently create content that absolutely crushes it. Don't miss the story about the 2-page PDF that got downloaded more than 80,000 times and attributed to over 500000 of revenue for Nick. Lastly, if you're like me and wonder how random ads for that pair of shoes you were going to buy happen to follow you all over the internet wherever you go, Nick actually explains the science behind what's called a Facebook pixel and how Facebook literally tracks you and your ideal prospects wherever you go on the internet and how you can use that to grow your business with things like retargeting an already interested audience, tracking your direct return on ad spend, and getting Facebook to find lookalike audiences of your ideal prospects. Okay, one last thing before we get to the conversation. Nick isn't just giving everyone a free download. He's actually going to ship you a free copy of his book, Give. Free of charge. Super grateful to him for going above and beyond for all of you. To grab your copy of his book, you can get the details right at the top of the show notes. It's at bradleyjohnson.com forward slash 35. That's three five. Links to all the other resources there too. Books mentioned, people discussed, full transcript of our conversation, everything else from the show. So that's it. As always, thanks for listening. And without further delay, my conversation with Nicholas Kuzmich. Welcome to this episode of the Elite Advisor Blueprint Podcast. I have my friend and special guest, Nicholas Kuzmich here with me today. Welcome, Nicholas.
1: Brad, thanks for having me. Let me hang with you guys and
0: then hopefully serve in your community. I have no doubt, man. So it's funny how this connection first happened. So I'm out in Carmel at Jason Gaynard's Mastermind Talks. My first one, I, was that your first one as well? Or you no, that of, was my third. Third. Yeah. Okay. It shows you I'm behind the curve, but I'm catching up quick here. And what was really fun was I was out there, obviously a great group, 150 entrepreneurs or so out there. And how we first connected, I, one of the things that I was looking for is, hey, at Advisors Excel we're starting to explore what I would call more the digital path to marketing for our clients. And so obviously, Facebook's at the front of that. Mm. And no more than the words, Facebook, get out of my mouth. And it's like the C parts, like Moses. And this path leads to... They're like, you got to talk to Nicholas (laughs) Kuznich. And and it wasn't one person. I remember Jim Shields saying something. I remember John Rulin, But basically, all paths pointed back to you. (laughs) And so we connect out there and you didn't disappoint. Just a very brief conversation, but obviously you get it when it comes to Facebook. marketing. Mm. So what I would like to do in the short amount of time we have today is just pick your brain as much as possible. How financial advisors out there that aren't taking advantage of this right now can really benefit from all that Facebook has to offer when it comes to marketing your business.
1: Oh, That's one thing that I'm very excited to talk about. So I think we might have a good conversation here.
0: Okay, so let's dig in. I literally just finished your book right in my morning routine this morning. So about 5.30am, I the last pages. And one of the things that I love is how you actually found Facebook marketing. So you were out, I believe it was the Archangel Summit. And the topic of Facebook comes up. I'll let you share the story. But I want to start there because this wasn't something you just set out to do. It was kind of led to Facebook marketing.
1: If you could. Yeah, it was, it was completely by mistake. I wish I could say I was intelligent enough to come up and craft this plan to lead to what we're doing today. One thing I guess I just come to learn in life in general is that every time I make a plan, life has something else to say about it and kind of leaves me somewhere else. So yeah, I was in a really, really tough place in my life. I mean, we don't have to go that far back, but in a really, really tough place, I'd kind of walked away from 14 years of service in the ministry. I was a pastor for 14 years and that took the best and the worst of me. And I was just kind of at a very confused place in my life. Now, to one of the commitments I made when I was a pastor was not to take a salary from the church. So I had to figure out ways to kind of take care of my family. And put food on the table. And that kind of led me into the digital marketing space. And so I'd been doing digital marketing all the while. I find myself at this event. And of all things, again, I step away from the church just for a break. And I'm at an event called Archangel. The first event is held in a building called the Berkeley Church of all places. And it was on a Sunday morning. I'm like, what on earth is happening here? But the long and short of it is was a question was posed from stage that said, how many people in this room are using Facebook ads for the business? And my hand went up along with you know, about 80% of the room. And then the second question that was posed was, how many people have found those ads profitable? And every hand in the room went down except mine. And it was like one of those just light bulb moments where, for the longest time, I was kind of positioned as a digital marketer and a marketing consultant and all this general terminology. And a light went off and said, "You know what? I think there's a need here. I'm at the right place at the right time." And mentally, I shifted and said, "I'm going to focus on this Facebook thing." And so we went hands in all the chips in on the Facebook thing. And to us, I mean, looking back on it, you can call that a $100 million decision. I mean, for everything that we've done in the last six years, we've easily generated over $100 million of revenue for ourselves and our clients. And again, it was just fascinating that happened all kind of by mistake. It was a right place, right time, We're recognizing an opportunity, recognizing a skill set that we had had, Mashing it all together. And well, <laughs> here we are. So it's been a fun journey. I'd
0: say it was a good move for you.
1: In hindsight, yeah. When I was making the move at the time, you just never know. But yes, in hindsight, now it ended up being a very good thing for us. Yes.
0: Okay. So I'm going to run full steam ahead, man. I want to go take of every minute we've got here. So. All right. So, and I know you've got some clients in the financial advisory space, so you're familiar. Let's go 30,000 foot view. If I'm a financial advisor out there, obviously everybody, I think at this point knows what Facebook is, but I think some people in financial advisory space still think of Facebook as I'm just crushing it. If I have a Facebook fan page that I put a post up once a week with some picture or comment or question Where you've really segued to is running Facebook ads to drive people to events, to drive them to products, things like that. So high level, if I'm completely unaware of how to do this, what do I need to know to get started? Or what should I be taking advantage of?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I think we could see it one of two ways. The first way is understanding the different roles that Facebook can play in your life as a business owner. Most people, when they think Facebook, automatically think social media platform, which... It is. So that's not a wrong thing to assume. However, when I look at Facebook, I'm not looking at a social media platform. I'm looking at an advertising platform. And those are two very distinct elements on Facebook. It's do I want to do social media marketing, which is what most people kind of teach out there, which is get a fan page and post once a week and hope to get a handful of likes. And maybe one day somehow I'll generate business from that. I could care less about the social media side. Now, if you want to do that, all the power to you. I'm interested in what I believe to be the most powerful direct response marketing and advertising platform on the planet, hands down. And so it's moving that mindset of, hey, maybe I'm doing TV ads or radio ads or newspaper or whatever, Google and all these other things. I just want people to think about Facebook as another medium by which you can get in front of your targeted audience. Now, that's the second part I really like to emphasize here. The beauty of Facebook is what I call the paradox of size. On the one hand, Almost three billion monthly users, three billion. I mean, last I checked that's almost half the planet is on Facebook. So the short of that is it's no matter who your client is, for the most part, I can almost guarantee that they're probably on Facebook at some point or another. In fact, the fastest growing demographic on Facebook right now is the 55 plus demographic, and that's because obviously their're kids and their kids' kids. Are on Facebook, and people want to stay in touch, especially if they live out of state. They say, well, what's my grandkids up to, or what's going on, or what's going on in the world? And so this population is growing heavily on Facebook. But if size was all that it was, it wouldn't necessarily be the greatest thing in the world, because just because you have the potential to reach 3 billion people doesn't mean that you should. Here's where it becomes a game changer. And I call it the paradox of size because on the one hand, you have the hugeness of Facebook, the 3 billion people. But on the other hand, you have what I would call like the, the smallness of it. What I mean by that is on the surface, Facebook is a social media platform. In the background, it's really the world's greatest data aggregator. The joke we have here at our office is that Facebook knows us better than we know ourselves. It knows what we like, who we followed, where we checked in, who our friends are, how many friends that they have, all of that stuff. In fact, this morning when I woke up, I looked at my phone and Facebook reminded me what I had for lunch three years ago. I forgot what I had for lunch three years ago. Supposedly three years ago, taking a picture of your lunch was the thing to do. And so I did it. And then Facebook reminded me, hey, do you remember? So the point is, Facebook has information. If I could throw up a slide, I would. I don't have it in front of me. of all the potential like aggregates of data that Facebook has chunked. So you could literally find, and this is a bit of an exaggeration, but it's true. If you wanted to target your ad to a woman between the ages of 25 and 32 who lived in Beverly Hills, California, who shops at Whole Foods, who reads romance novels and spent at least $1,000 on their Amex last week, you could. And there's no other marketing platform on the planet that allows an advertiser or a business owner who just knows a little bit about their marketplace to be able to laser target a message in front of the right person. So we call it the shift from mass marketing to micro marketing. And this is why I believe even on a higher level for anyone who's like, so what's the whole deal with Facebook? A, the paradox of size and B, the fact that it is an advertising platform just as much as it is a social media platform should alleviate the stress of like, Does that mean I gotta be on Facebook all the time and like liking stuff and posting stuff? The answer is no. It's an advertising platform. And I mean, your ideal prospect is sitting there waiting for a solution from you. And if you know how to reach them, which doesn't take much with a few clicks of a button, you could reach them. So, I mean, I'm, as you can tell, I'm super excited about this platform because it can literally transform scale and growth of people's businesses.
0: So there's a great story from your book, Give, which I think, speaking of gives, we're going to have some cool things for the audience here. But you talk about an ad that was kind of a an apples to oranges test, I guess, where in Success Magazine, which yes. Aaron Hardy's a great friend of Advice Excel, he's run a lot of events for us, big fan of his stuff. But you have one of the best copywriters in the game running an advertorial in the traditional old school magazine versus you. Right. Facebook copy. So, can you kind of share some insights on what that uncovered at the Yeah. End?
1: So, absolutely. So, there was a mutual client of myself, a little old Nick, and one of the greatest copywriters in the world, a guy by the name of Jay Abraham. Now, let me just say, unbeknownst to him, he didn't know this was going on. It's not like they picked us up against each other. Jay is a, a former mentor of mine, a great guy, it's super, super smart. And literally, this company that we were working with has two-day events, once a year, high-level entrepreneur's event that they charge $10,000 a seat for. And for the longest time, they've been running two-page advertorial spreads in magazines like Success and Entrepreneur, where these entrepreneurs typically hang out. Now, to get Jay Abraham to write a two-page advertorial for you will cost anywhere between twenty-five dollars and $50,000. And then to actually run the spread, one month run in Success Magazine, two pages, is $17,500 for a two-page spread there. So fortunately, Jay waived his fees and he wrote the thing for free, but they did run the spread in Success Magazine. This was about a year ago, or two years ago. They ran the ad, it cost seventeen thousand five, dollars and immediately, just on the front end, now on the back end, there was probably more to it, but on the front end, they generated two ticket sales. Now, if you do the math on that, that's $20,000 in revenue for $17,000 spend. Now, I ask people, is that a good day or a bad day? Some people say it's a bad day. I think that's a great day. Anytime you can spend money and make more money in advertising, you win. Because Most people are spending and not making it back. Mm-hmm. So net profit, if you will, about $2,500. It's not the best day in the world, but it's definitely not the worst day in the world. So then they came to me and they said, hey, Nick, what about this Facebook thing? Can Facebook help us fill a $10,000 per person or per ticket event. And I said, well, let's find out. So to keep all things fair, now I'm not the greatest copywriter in the world. I do have an ad writing formula that I allude to, but not the greatest copywriter in the world, but we put together an ad. And for the sake of keeping all things fair, we distributed this ad only to those who follow Success Magazine. Because obviously the run was being in Success Magazine. We could target while on Facebook only those who follow Success Magazine. And we ran this ad. We got four sales. So right off the bat, I'm like, oh, yeah, there we go. We doubled up on what they did in Success Magazine, which is $40,000 in revenue. But the part I left out is how much ad spend it took to get those four sales. And the ad spend that we spent to do that was about just over $1,800, less than $2,000 to get $40,000 in sales versus the 17005 to run a two-pay spread and get two sales. The case in point, and what I like to tell people about that is, what people don't understand is that if you have mediums that are working for you, all the better. But what I would say is allocate a small portion of your marketing budget just to test Facebook out. Because right now, the acquisition costs on Facebook are so much lower than they could be in traditional forms that you might be blown away with the kind of results that you're going to get. So yeah, that's just one clear example. of People in the space who are using other forms of media and then the role that Facebook could play in that and the difference you might see in some of your acquisition costs kind
0: of following forward with that. Cool. So let's dive in there. This is where it can get really fun, I think, for the audience here. So knowing our space, traditional marketing, a lot of direct mail to live events, dinner seminars, things like that. Right. So... I want to go back to your book, The Titles Give, for a reason. It's not what what we can get from Facebook. It's what can we give to drive interaction. So if you start a little bit with that model, but maybe we can use the case study of how could I, as a financial advisor, test Facebook for... A dinner seminar or some type of evening event where I'm using a Facebook ad to drive people to that event. I love that. Yeah.
1: Now, there's one of two ways to do it. I'll tell you my preferred way. And then I can also show you kind of a small variation that might be a little more direct, maybe not as great results, but whichever way kind of works best for you. Perfect. So if I was in the financial advisor space and this is who I was, I would start by trying to get very clear. And most financial advisors that I speak with are already very clear on this, but to get very clear about who I'm actually most apt to serve. Now, I know in theory, I can help everybody, right? Just come on board and I'll help you. But that doesn't work in a noisy social marketing kind of space. You need to be very clear that I can help a certain category of people. In fact, I call it the 4%. And what we've done is we've taken Pareto's principle of the 80-20 rule and cut that 20% into a further 20% and say, who are the 4% of people that you can most apt serve the best? These are your ideal clients. These are the people who don't complain. These are the people who don't text customer service. They're not calling you all the time. And they're probably responsible for 80% of your assets under management. Who are those people? And get very, very clear on them is step one. Step two then is identify the actual itches or problems or frustrations or fears or aspirations or wants. In fact, I call it the four forces. I believe there's four forces that determine any behavior. And they are the fears, frustrations on one side, or the wants and aspirations on the other side. So if you're looking at your 4% and you say, I'm very clear that this is their fear, these are their current frustrations, these are their wants, and these are their aspirations, now you're on the right track of identifying what we can provide these people in order to start a conversation with them, which is essentially what we're trying to do on Facebook. So we've identified our 4%. Two, we started to get very clear on what it is that they need the most help with. Mm -hmm. Thirdly, once we know that, and I'm not talking about general, like let me help you get a better understanding of your finances. That is way too general. We need to know specific issues and problems that they have so that we can provide that solution. Once we know that, step three is then creating something that actually helps to alleviate that problem. We call this in our industry a lead magnet, but essentially it's a piece of content That we could give, give, not take, give to our marketplace in order to start this conversation. It's saying, hey, look, I know where you're at. I know stuff you got going on. Rather than me trying to sell you something right off the bat because you don't know me and I don't know you, why don't I invest into this relationship just a little bit by giving you something that's going to help move the needle for you? And when I think about something to give to my marketplace, I'm thinking that it needs to fit into four different categories, it needs to include four different things. I call it the sage. Principle, S A G E S, stands for short. It needs to be something that that person can consume and move away with. And I like to say four to seven minutes. Now, the reason for that is if you don't know me and I don't know you and you ask for an hour and a half of my time right out of the gates, that's a pretty big ask. I believe we have two currencies that we transact with, money being one of them, less important, time being the other, way more important. You know, there's an old saying that used to say, it doesn't hurt to ask. Actually, It does. And if you come across way too early in an engagement with someone who doesn't know you and say, hey, give me an hour and a half of your time. Give me two hours of your time. That's a big ask for someone who has a family, who's been working all day, whatever it be. So I like to say short four to seven minutes consumption, bada bing, bada boom. A stands for applicable. This is the difference between information and insight. Most people, when they offer something to somebody, they just offer them information. Frankly, information is commoditized right now. You could go to the Google, you could search just about anything you want, about anything you want, and get an answer for you. Nobody is looking for more information. Now, the difference between information and insight, insight is what to do with key pieces of information in order to get a desired outcome. So if all this information is being blasted to your 4% about, hey, didn't you know this about securities? And did you know this about retirement? Did you know you'll be taxed this much if you know, pull out earlier or whatever? If you can come and say, hey, you know all this to be true, but let me give you an exact plan that you can follow and this is how it's going to benefit you. That's far more important to that person. So short, A, applicable, G, goal-oriented. Now, what I mean by goal-oriented is that everybody who's on a path is looking to make progress towards something. They're at point A, they're looking to get to point Z, and your job is just to take them one step closer to Z. Not all the way. You can't do that in four to seven minutes, but just a little bit closer. Is there something that you could give them so that they can take that step and feel like they've made progress? And that's the key. Most people don't take action because they're inundated with information. They never make any progress. And if they don't make any progress, they feel like abandoning ship. But if they actually take a step and make progress with it, two amazing things happen. One, they probably made progress for the first time in a long time. And two, now they're associating that progress with you. Mm -hmm. And so their natural inclination is if you then turn around and ask them and say, hey, by the way, we're holding this dinner get together next week, Thursday, would you like to join us? They are way more apt to say yes, because you've already provided something of value that's proven to kind of move the needle forward for them. And lastly, E for Sage is easy. Nobody likes more complication in their life. Mm -hmm. And I find that in general, like on the interwebs, most people are like, hey, the more I can make things complicated, the more intelligent I'm going to seem. Look, finances and taxes and all this kind of stuff is a very, very confusing, convoluted world. And hence, the need for an advisor even exists. And so your job as an advisor wouldn't be to make things more complicated, but it's to distill it down into a way that that person's like, I get it. So here we go. We found the 4% right? We've identified who our target is. B, we've identified fears, frustrations, wants, and aspirations that they are currently facing. And then three, we've identified what can I give them in the form of a magnet, in form of content that's going to help alleviate some of those fears, frustrations, wants, and aspirations. Now, once we have all that in place, we have to build the mechanism, essentially. Now, what I mean by that, that might be a challenging word. The mechanism is simply what are the steps needed in order to get someone to accomplish my desired result. So if my desired result is put people, put butts in seats and a dinner event, then I know how can I most easily get there? Here's what I would do. A, I've identified what this magnet is and how I can help my ideal prospect. B, I'm gonna create an ad. We can talk a little bit about ads if you want, Brad, but I'm gonna create an ad, which to me is nothing more than a communication to your ideal prospect. Your ad is not designed to sell anything. It's simply a form of communication to your ideal prospect. So we have this ad, we put it on Facebook and we target our 4%. The 4% will see that ad and click on it and it'll take them to what we call a landing page that then says, hey, I've got this great PDF report for you. You know, the three things you can do tomorrow to ensure that you don't get overtaxed when you retire. I'm just coming up with stuff, but let's call that the thing we're giving away. So you say, hey, come, I got this thing for you. If you want it, just tell me where to send it. Give me your name and your email. We'll send it off to your inbox so you can go through that process. And we can talk more about the magnet and how to structure it if you'd like. And then once they fill out their name and their email address, they go to a thank you page. And this is essentially where most people will say, oh, here's your PDF download. I don't like doing that because essentially you're kind of like stopping the momentum of this person. Instead, I say, hey, the thing that you requested will arrive in your inbox in about 12 minutes or so. In the meantime, I have this short three-minute video that I'd love for you to watch. Hey, my name is Brad Johnson. This is what I do. This is who I help. I'm assuming if you just got that thing, you're interested in this. And so what I'd love to do is you go into a little bit of a script and we can talk about that as well, but you go into a little bit of a script. And ultimately at that point, you can invite someone to the free dinner. Now you've kind of, you've built this a little bit of rapport. Maybe they don't take you up on it right away. First, they read the magnet and they're like, oh, this Brad guy's genius. Okay, now I'm going to book the dinner. But that is the simplest way without getting so complicated with 14 million web pages and all this integration with technology. Literally, if you have an ad that drives someone to say, get this thing that you know is going to help you, they get that thing, and then a small, light, non-aggressive invite to the next thing, which is, in this case, let's call it the dinner. We can use a process like that all day long to put butts in seats at very, very reasonable rates. And now when that person does come to the seat, and here's the beauty of it, if they actually did consume your magnet, which we're going to encourage them to do through email, now they are coming into that room with a totally different mindset. I mean, if someone just signed up for a free seminar, they're like, oh man, I'm going to get a free dinner and I'm probably going to be sold something. And so their kind of guards are up and you got to break that down. And I don't know about you, Brad, but I hate being in a room where everyone's like, hands crossed, like, come on, what do you got for me? Like, you got to work through that? Whereas if they consume that magnet, enough, they're like, wow, this guy knows what he's talking about. And here's the beautiful, when this happens, when they say something like, I really hope he has space in this practice for me. And that mindset has shifted. Where now when you make an invite to say, hey, have a private strategy session with one of our team, we'll see if we can help you. They're thinking, how can I sell myself to you rather than, okay, buddy, sell yourself. Why should I take you over someone else? And so all encompassing, it just makes for a really, really great process that can work over and over and again. Does that make sense?
0: Nick, that's gold, man. Um How beautiful. It's let's call it a day then. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. There's so many different ways we can go with that. So sure. let's start here because if I'm an advisor and I'm listening in and this is all it's foreign to most guys, I would say our industry is very traditional when it comes to marketing. So let's go back to the let's say we've identified the four percent, right? Sure. Here's my people I love working with that are ideal clients that are super profitable to my business. Now let's go into, I think where a lot of advisors get stuck is what is that piece of content? And I think some of them get so stuck on it, they never actually do it. They never get past that hurdle. Sure. So, so let's use radio because a lot of our clients are on radio. Sure. A lot of our clients are putting out tons of content in the form of a 60-minute radio show every single week. Oh, wow. So would that be a good piece of content? A little snippet of audio? I guess, what would be some ideas if I'm an advisor, how I can quickly have a high value piece of content to insert into that ad? What are some good examples?
1: Yeah, I love how you brought that up because most people, when they think content, they might be thinking, oh my God, I got to sit down and write a few pages of ebook or a report or something, 10 pages here. If you look at anything that I do, and I know I'm not an advisor, but the rule still applies. Every piece of content I've ever put out there is two pages max, maybe one page with a lot of white space. I mean, so I want people to know Again, this is where the S, the short comes in, is that you don't need to produce some heavy, heavy piece of content in order for someone to get value from it. So here's what I want you to think. There are lots of different types of content. Let me give examples, not just in the financial services industry, and then we can dive into the financial services industry. But I know templates are good. Scripts are good. Cheat sheets or blueprints are good. I know someone in the health space who releases recipes. And this is just to get people's minds going. One thing that works exceptionally well are consumers reports. One of our clients, of all things, has an eight-figure business selling do-it-yourself kitchen cabinets on the internet. Now, you'd never think that someone can sell do-it-yourself kitchen cabinets on the internet with Facebook, but this is an eight-figure business. And one of the things that they release is a consumer's report. It's the four questions you need to ask yourself before you buy a kitchen cabinet on the internet. Right. So all these things. And so a great example I gave of someone who consults people in the HR space is they wrote an entire book on how to like hire great and how to have a great HR department in your business and all this sort of thing. And it was great. The reality is a lot of people downloaded the book. Very few people actually read the book because that's kind of what we live in right now. People don't have time to consume all of that. And so I said, Dave, we'll call him Dave. I said, Dave, hey, man you have this great content here. You have 10 chapters in a book. If I would ask you, what is the number one chapter? Like the one that every HR person can't live without, you know this is the one that's going to move the needle the most for them. What chapter would that be? And he says, I have this chapter on 100 interview questions that you can ask during an interview to make sure you hire an ace. Hmm. I'm like, wow, but hundreds of a hell of a lot of questions. Can we break that 100 down into the top, Five questions. Can you do that? And he said, Yeah, yeah, I got the top five. We took the top five. We literally put that on one PDF, one page PDF. And this now was one of the content pieces he puts out to his marketplace. And it's super valuable. People can eat that up all day long. You have testimonies of people saying, I got this report. In my next interview, I asked these five questions. Immediately it seeded out the bad guys and we took them to level two and level three interviews and we were on our search for the right hire. So, I would be saying, if you're doing a radio show or if you're writing content on the internet, I would say first, look at which show and which piece of content got the most engagement. What were people talking about? If you take comments on your blog, what were the ones that had the most questions or engagement? Or would you get a lot of feedback on the radio show? And then look at that one piece and then say, okay, on this 60-minute piece, what would be something that I could pull out as being just a killer one piece that's going to help somebody move things forward. And yeah, that could be an audio. If you already have it, it's very easy. Say this audio clip from a recent TV show or radio show that we did, or if you could transcribe it and make a nice little kind of multi-paragraph thing about it, you could do that. But I do want people to realize that you're probably sitting on the content already. And you know from the conversations that you've had with your clients, what is most pressing to them. Here's one last example, and I'll move on with this. A couple of years ago, I was asking myself the same question. I said, who are my 4% and what is a pressing fear, frustration, want and aspiration that's happening in my marketplace? And a couple of years ago, the major issue was people were losing their ad accounts because they weren't following Facebook compliance. So people were running ads and their ad accounts were being disabled and they were unable to market on the internet anymore or on Facebook. So I said, well, what could I do that could serve this community? And essentially I came up with a two-page 10 piece checklist and it's literally i called it facebook apocalypse because everyone thought the world was coming to an end and they'll never be able to market on facebook ever again and it was how deep, if you just follow these 10 steps that i'm giving you right here today you can be guaranteed that you will not lose your ad account Brad man this was just right place right time because i understood the pulse of the marketplace i understood what people were talking about this thing got downloaded close to 80,000 times And the simple two page, two page PDF, digital piece of paper. I mean, I wish I could give you the exact numbers, but attributed to at least, at least half a million in revenue. And so just understanding the right piece of content to the right audience at the right time. And again, it doesn't have to be long. It's just understanding what they need and then ripping from content you already have repurposing it and handing it out to them can go a long, long way. I hope that was helpful.
0: That's, Super helpful. Okay. This is a beginner's version of me understanding Facebook. But the beauty of Facebook is... So the Facepocalypse post, which by the way, I love that title. You could be split testing 5 different posts all at the same time on very minimal tests, right? So even if the Facepocalypse wasn't the one, you could have been running 4 right at the same time. What's your typical strategy there when it comes to split testing? Yeah. And that's
1: a great question. And it alludes back to kind of the whole success magazine thing. It's like, here's the beauty of Facebook and you had it so poignantly is if you ran a success magazine ad and all of a sudden you were getting zero leads or you realized there was a spelling error, mm. what could you do? Nothing. It's run. You're out. You're five. If you're running a Facebook ad and you realize there was a spelling error or it just wasn't working within a hundred bucks, you could turn the thing off and say, I'm moving on to something else. Forget this. So the agility that you have with that. So what we like to do is we always be testing. We always like to have at least two variations of something going out. So if it was Facebook apocalypse and an ad template, and we just throw them both out there, Then we want to see which one performs. If they both perform, great, let's add a third. If one performs way better than the other and it's heading our metrics, then we run with that one, we drop the other one, and then we bring another one into play. Now, I don't want to talk about that too much because I don't want people to feel like, oh my God, I need 15 to test. The answer is you could start with one. And if you happen to have another one because you have an abundance of content, then start with two and always just run two and see which one works better. And then, as you're running the two, as one performs better, drop the loser and bring in another one, and keep testing that way. And frankly, the more you have over time, the better off you're going to be, because at some point, everybody in your marketplace is going to see that one, right? So even Facebook Apocalypse now, two years ago, was on fire. I don't know how many people were downloading that a day. Now we get a trickle of two to three a day. Mm-hmm. So I had to come up with something else. It sounds like the basic or the traditional advisor isn't lacking content. It's just how do we repurpose that content? But if you already have content, you could be spitting out these one or two pages all day long. And that's a better thing because your market is just going to continue to see you as a thought leader in your space which even has an indirect effect of maybe they never download it, but they keep seeing your ads of all these great things that you're doing. When it's time to select a financial advisor or to make a move, you should know that they're probably thinking of you because they've seen your face so many times now on Facebook. So it has that kind of like secondary effect as well.
0: Yeah. Okay, Nick. So let's go here. I'm a rookie when it comes to running Facebook ads. Let's just make that assumption. And let's just call it... Facebook ad running for beginners 101, whatever you want to call it, but I've now crafted the ad. Okay. And I've now gone to the implementation phase of actually running it as an ad to help people understand, is that a boost? Are we going back behind the scenes? And then how are we picking that 4%? Like, What are some easy beginner ways to say... Here's who I'm targeting this to right. uh, as far as strategies there.
1: Yeah. And that's a great question. Fortunately, like Facebook has made the process very, very easy. You'd go to Facebook, you'd go to your ad account. If you don't know how to do that, you, a quick Google search will show you how to do that. And literally, there is a step-by-step walkthrough, a tutorial, literally, where Facebook will say, okay, well, who do you want to target? Right, and then you could pick men or women or both. You could pick age range, this range to this range. You could pick this country, or this state, or this region or this zip code. All of that, and you literally go through it step by step. Then it's going to say any interests you want to target. Yes, I want to target people who drive Ferraris, or I want to target people who live in this particular area, or people who uh, or, while, or
0: Teslas, Nick, or Teslas, or
1: Teslas. <laughs> Teslas are a great breed of people, <laughs> or whatever it be. And you just literally input it. And the best part about this is as you input something, Facebook is also going to give you a bunch of suggestions of people who are just like that. Now, you could get carried away and start clicking on, oh my God, yeah, this, this, and that, and the other. You don't want to do that. You want to rein it back and say, really, who are my 4%? Who am I clear on right now? And just target those folks. And literally, you're just going to follow next by next by next. You're going to enter all that data. Then it's going to say, which image would you like to use? And you Select an image, And then it's going to say, well, what would you like to say? And at this point, you've already written what you'd like to say. You literally copy and paste it in there. I know this sounds over simple, but it really is this simple. You do all that, Facebook's going to review it for you and say, hey, this is what your ad will look like. Are you happy with this? If not, you can go and edit it. If you are, just hit review. It's going to go up into the Facebook cloud or whatever that happens there. And then it literally starts distributing right away. So the beauty of it is, again, there's a step-by-step tutorial. All you need to know is who are the 4% that I want to target? Because Facebook's going to allow you to input all that data. Do you have an image and do you have the copy? If you say yes to all of that, you can literally have an ad up and running within the next... If this is your first time doing it, 20 to 30 minutes from when this call is over.
0: Mm. You've got a great analogy in the book the analogy with the lion's hunt around the watering hole. Can you share that? Because I think that's a great beginner's thought process for Facebook ads.
1: Yeah. And maybe we can talk a little bit about targeting to get people's minds around this. I mean, I first realized this when I was in Bora Bora. We were celebrating our one-year anniversary, my wife and I. I One of the beautiful things about Bora Bora is your ability to snorkel and dive with sharks and whales and lagoon life and blowfish and barracudas are dangerous. I found out we're well, worse than sharks, actually. But we were there, and as we were watching the sharks go by, more or less all of them had this fish on its underbelly. And so I turned to our skipper, and I'm like, how come that fish isn't lunch? Like, why does he just get to chill with the shark? And they say, oh, well, that fish is called a remora. They have a symbiotic relationship. The shark, because of its shape, can't clean its own body. And so the remora cleans it for him, and as a result, gets to hang around and not die. I think that's a pretty good relationship. And then it started to open my eyes towards what Facebook is like. And what I mean by that is Facebook really is made up a bunch of tribes, and every tribe has a tribal leader. Now, that leader could be a person, it could be a brand, it could be an association, it could be all these things, but essentially, you do have these conglomerates of people gathering together, and that's kind of the watering hole analogy. It's like, if you wanted to hunt, and I try not to talk about hunting too much because I don't understand the concept all that well. I don't know how I feel about chasing game animals. I don't know. But anyways, if you're in the African safari and you want to hunt, or if you're an animal and you want to find your prey, there's one of two ways to do it. It's to go out into the open field and find them one by one, and hopefully you run faster and you're stronger and you can win. Or You go to a watering hole where they're all there, just hanging out, sipping. And if you're the predator, quote unquote, I mean, it's easy picking at that point. Mm -hmm. So the point I'm trying to make with that is Facebook has all these tribes that are gathered. We'll call them fan pages or interests or behaviors or job titles, whatever it be. And if you're an advertiser, you can literally just go to the watering hole and pick that out. So what I like to say is I use an example called the targeting trifecta. It's three Fs that you should think about when you're going to start, piecing together who those 4% might be and how to reach them. The first F is asking who do they follow? So if I'm looking at my 4%, I'm asking who are some of the influencers that they might be following? Now, the example I give all the time is, hey, if I was in the personal development space, who is the number one thought leader influencer in the personal development space? Everybody comes back saying, Tony Robbins, and the answer is true. Four million fans on his fan base. So if I was in the personal development space, I could just throw an ad in front of those people who like Tony Robbins, and all of a sudden, I've eliminated 80% of the waste, because I know these people are definitely interested in personal development. So you're going to ask yourself, who does my ideal prospect follow? Are there influencers? Are there authors? Are there speakers? Are there people on TV? Are there presidents or presidential candidates that they follow? Who do they follow? And you just come up with a list of two or three of those, and you're well on your way. The second F is where do they frequent? Where are they going, right? Are they reading a certain newspaper on a daily basis? Do they read a certain blog on a weekly basis? Are they part of a certain country club that they go to every week or every month? Are they part of a trade association? Do they attend certain conferences? Wherever you know that they might be hanging out on a semi-regular basis is something you could probably target. If you know that all your people attended a specific school, an Ivy League school, and they graduated from a particular class, Facebook allows you to target schools or graduates and alumni from certain schools. If I was looking to go after chiropractors, for example, I know that most chiropractors graduate from one of 10 schools in the nation. Why don't I target alumni there? Right.
0: So the financial advisor space, Nick, assuming yeah. I have an in with this company, I would assume that would be the same sort of situation. I could, they frequent that company or they work at that company, same concept, right?
1: Correct. Oh yeah. And you could even ask where do they work, right? Job titles is something that, what industry do they work in? That's all stuff you could target. So. Who do they follow? Where do they frequent? And the third F in the trifecta is what do they fund or where do they spend money? Now you could think about that directly and indirectly. Are they spending money on certain you know financial assets or financial products? That's one way to look at it. But if I were to tell you that my 4% shop at Whole Foods, that's where they bought their groceries. Now think about the implications of what that says in and of itself. Someone who shops at Whole Foods probably is health conscious, probably has discretionary income, right? Because it's way more expensive to shop at Whole Foods, probably are also interested in status. I find people who shop at Whole Foods are people who kind of want to tell people, I shop at Whole Foods. So just by knowing where they shop, where they're spending money, what kind of car to... Like all these things. So if you can just think about, if you're like, I'm stuck, how do I find my 4%? Think about who do they follow, where do they frequent, and what do they fund? And just literally come up with one or two or three of each of those things you now have nine different areas of people you could target and start getting
0: started with right away. Perfect. Super simple framework. Thank you. Nice. Okay. We're getting towards the tail end. I won't forgive myself if I don't ask you about this, but let's do it. I think the general population has no clue this is even happening and it speaks to the power of Facebook. So I think it's called a Facebook pixel and then it's retargeting. Can you just share this whole world that most people don't even understand how Facebook literally knows everything you do?
1: Yeah, so, well, it's a combination. Facebook is very good at asking a lot of questions, right? So right off the bat, if you say you like something, or if you say you checked into a certain airport and you're checking in somewhere else, Facebook's always like, hey, what are you up to? What are you doing? Who are you with? And every time you input that data, boom, it goes into the Facebook matrix and they're like, okay, I'm starting to understand a lot more about this person. That's one. Number two they also purchase third-party axiom data, which means like some of this general public information that's out there about where we work, how much money we make, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Facebook goes and literally buys that data, incorporates it into their matrix, and now Facebook knows that much more about you. But thirdly, and probably the most relevant and powerful way, it's called a pixel, which is simply a little piece of code that can go on a website somewhere. And essentially, if that piece of code is on certain websites, Facebook will know where you are actually visiting outside the Facebook world. And so it's kind of like, retargeting is a great example. It's kind of like if you were on amazon.com and you were looking at a pair of shoes and you didn't buy them, and then all of a sudden in your stream, you see promotions for that pair of shoes and you're like, how the heck did they know? That's retargeting. And that's because when you visited Amazon, there was a little pixel, a little code that dropped something on your computer and said, hey, this person visited the site. They're probably interested in this pair of shoes. Now, I know a lot of people are like, oh, that breaks privacy and all that. No, no. Facebook is doing that to create a great experience for you. Because imagine a world where you only saw ads or communications of things that actually interested you versus all this other garbage. That is the world that Facebook is trying to create. And so this whole idea of pixels, again, all these advertisers are placing pixels all over the interwebs. They all point back to Facebook. And this trains Facebook to know us better than we know ourselves. Now, again, people think that's a bad thing. I think that's a great thing as an advertiser and as a consumer, because Facebook is very interested in providing an awesome community and an awesome experience for me within the Facebook platform. And in a perfect world, will only show me stuff that I'm interested in, which is kind of the whole point of this all. Mm -hmm. So yeah, Facebook's got a lot going on. And if you, as an advertiser, without getting too technical about it, just realize the power of the pixel. I mean, imagine that your pixel was on a page where you know your ideal clients hung out at, maybe a certain blog or a certain thing. And then now you could show an ad to everybody who visited that page. Like the power of the targeting has even been amplified that much further. So a lot of cool things kind of in the works and your ability as an advertiser to take advantage of them if you just, you know, a little bit about it.
0: Mm -hmm. So to clarify, the power of the pixel is because most people are consuming this on their phones and they're always logged into Facebook now, Facebook connects, your profile is logged in, and you went to Amazon, checked out these shoes. Therefore, these 15 other websites that also serve ads are now serving the ads for that same shoe. Right. High level. Right. High level. Yeah. Okay. So, do you guys, and I don't even know if it's possible, but from a conversion on the back end, so say you serve an ad. Yep. They go out to my website, download a free PDF. Now, the pixel is captured that they visited my website. Well, what is the ROI? Can you see that on the back end as now you're retargeting? And how much does that fall off just out of curiosity? Yeah.
1: So it's such a beautiful thing. And there's two key points to that. One, if someone, let's say, sees an ad, clicks the ad, gets your downloadable thing and ends up on the page that says, thank you for getting this thing. A, if that person ever comes back and buys from you, but they have to buy from a perspective where Facebook could track it. So it'd be another kind of online experience where they registered for an event, let's say. You could then go back and look at the stats to say, oh, this person clicked on this ad and it resulted in this sale that ended up being worth X number of dollars for me. So you could actually see your direct return on ad spend, ROAS, return on ad spend from that particular campaign that you're doing, which is a great point because most people blindly throw out ads, cross their fingers and they're like, I really hope that we get signups for something. Facebook allows you to see all that. But the even better part of this Well, just as good part about this is every time someone hits your thank you page, so let's say they've opted in for the thing, they hit the thank you page and Facebook knows, oh, this person got the thing that Brad was offering. The more people that do that, the smarter Facebook gets about the kind of person you're going after. Because let's say a 1,000 people now opted in for your magnet. And Facebook says, wow, look at all these commonalities about these 1,000 people. Wow. Now you can go back to Facebook and say, hey, Facebook, you know those 1,000 people who just opted in for this thing? Can you go out into the Facebook universe and find people just like them? Facebook calls this a lookalike because it looks like the people who accomplished a certain result. And you can just say, hey, Facebook, can you go find people who look just like these 1,000 people? Facebook says, absolutely. And now you can say Facebook only find people who look like those people and Facebook will go out and your ads can be distributed to those people. So, I mean, there's a lot, a lot of amazing, simple yet powerful things to really empower the business owner who just knows a little bit about it to never, ever have to waste an advertising dollar ever again. All of this can be tracked. Facebook will do a lot of the heavy lifting for you because frankly, the better you do on Facebook, the more money you're going to spend with Facebook. It's a win-win for everybody involved. The end client who sees, yeah, I really need a great financial advisor, they end up becoming a client of yours. I mean, it really is a win-win-win for everybody involved
0: there then. So it's a marketing funnel that gets more effective the longer you use it.
1: And the more results you have, and the longer you use it, the more intelligent it gets. And it means the less intelligent you need to be, frankly, Perfect. to make it That's to make the type it work. Of
0: marketing I'm looking for man. Exactly, <laughs> Nick. This has been awesome, man. I know we're getting right at the tail end here. Before we go into a, a couple questions here to wrap the conversation, is there yeah. anything just in the Facebook universe, the ad universe that is worth the audience knowing before we move into kind of wrapping on a final note here?
1: So almost the opposite in that Facebook is continually evolving as an advertising platform. And almost every week or month they're releasing something new. The danger of that to the average person is thinking that they need to be on top of that all. Mm. These are just little beta things that are coming out, not big shifts that are going to drastically affect your business. So I would say the opposite, find the course. And maybe it's what I was talking about here with this simple few step process to get people to your dinners, find that course that works for you. And when I mean course, the path that you're going to follow and just stick with it. I mean, don't be calling squirrel and chasing everything else out there. Find the path, stick with it, get the results and just make it better and better and better. And then if there is a major update that you need to kind of pay attention to, then I'm sure you'll hear about it at that time. But for the most part yeah so many people are not having success on Facebook because they're chasing the next thing that Facebook just released and they're getting all confused about it and going all different directions with it
0: well and your book give just go buy that that's like 7.99 and that thing's gold because i mean we covered about 10% in this conversation what <laughs> you have to cover more in depth in the book so Correct. that would be my endorsement just go buy Nick's book to which by the way we're giving away for free you okay, just pay- go, get, go get Nick's book for free then
1: yeah yeah you just pay ship and we'll send it to you.
0: <laughs> cool. And we'll put that in the, uh, the show intro for those of you that want to check that out. Okay, Nick, you ready for a couple philosophical questions? Let's try. Let's see where my philosophy falls. Let's start with this one. If there was one thing you would like to be considered absurd 25 years from now, what would it be? That all marketers
1: are liars and that entrepreneurs are in it for themselves. This is... At least in my world, like whenever you think entrepreneur, business owner, everyone's in it for themselves, I think we can shift it so that the world becomes a better place through the intelligent, ethical, moral marketer who's actually looking to make a difference
0: and help someone out in the process. Mm, That's great, man. You hit on a little bit of that in your book. I mean, an entrepreneur is somebody that has something for the world to make it better. And so just spreading that message.
1: Yes, yeah. And just, it's a hard lesson that I came to learn. I know there's not a rapid fire answer, but when I first started my business, it was profits over people. If you were in my way of making a profit, get the hell out or I'll steamroll you over. Very quickly did I realize that people were falling by the wayside and I was not a good dude. And as soon as I shifted from profits over people to people over profits, maybe the greatest takeaway that someone can take from this whole experience, people ask me all the time because of the marketing space that I'm in, what's the greatest marketing hack or trick or thing that you know to be true about marketing? Here's my answer. Have a whole bunch of give a damn. As soon as you actually care and you disassociate a transaction with your desire to help, I think not only do you attract great people and you have a great business, but that in and of itself, there's something about kind of the universe that swings the things back in your favor and the profits come anyways.
0: But yeah, people over profits all day long. So true, man. I see that all the time in our space. The the people that are in it for the short-term buck, they fall out very quickly. Yeah. Okay. When you hear the word successful, who's the first person you think of and why?
1: (sighs) My dad, but not because he was successful in any means of the word other than to show his only son what it meant to feel unconditionally loved. Dad had it hard. He never had financial success. He never had success by any terms, as the modern world would put it. But this kid grew up never, ever doubting that he was unconditionally loved from his parents. And I think more than anything, they could have passed business principles on to me and all that other stuff, but none of that would compare to me having kind of this frame of reference and a worldview because of that experience.
0: Yeah, well, it's interesting. There's a lot of kids out there where their parents did pass on the business knowledge, and all they yearned for was the attention and the love. Right. Right. So, yeah. That, yeah. What is the favorite book that you've ever read, and, and what did you take from it? How did that's it? Why?
1: Yeah, that's a tough one because I find books came across my path seasonally. So when I needed a book, somehow it appeared. I mean, there was some thought and reference and research and friends and pointed that stuff out towards me. So like way, way back in the day, it was like the Tim Ferriss 4-Hour work week that got me thinking about how to structure a business properly. Later on, it was a lot of Austin Cleon's books like Show Your Work, Steal Like an Artist. These were great things that inspired me. So it's always been seasonally. And frankly, I think I had a big shift About two years ago, two to three years ago, when I went on this massive information fast and I stopped reading books altogether for a year, just one year of fast. It was my most productive year of my life and I got so much more done and I was more present with my wife, my kids, my family, the whole thing. So since then, I'm not on information fast right now, But I definitely am on a restricted information diet, and it's proven to serve me quite well. So I know that didn't directly answer the question, but there's been a series of books Uh, in the past,
0: but nothing recently. Now I'm curious on this information fast. So literally a year, no
1: books. No books, no podcasts, no blogs, no conferences, no anything. The year was dedicated to go through all the notes that I've ever taken in the last 14 years of studying and just do a year of implementation. Oh, and it's about two to three years ago. Uh-huh. And that's when everything, everything changed
0: for me. Was that um, at the same time you were diving heavy into the Facebook business model as well? Yeah, not long after.
1: I mean, so uh, the first year in, I was consuming. I was like, oh my God, I'm figuring this all out. And a conference after conference and networking after networking, I got burnt out. I was reading a book a week, which I thought was a great accomplishment. And I told the world about it. And then I just realized it was information overload. And this might be worth something to somebody. A friend of mine, Carl White, taught me this principle called broken bridges. And it's this idea that if you look back over an entrepreneur's life, you could see that they're at point A trying to get to point Z. And so they hear about a thing and they start building a bridge towards jumping over the chasm to the other side, the goal accomplished. So what the entrepreneur does, they hear, oh, Facebook ads. And they, oh, let's build the bridge of Facebook ads. And they get here and they're like, oh, wait a second. Someone told me about LinkedIn. Oh, we got to do, okay, LinkedIn. So they start building a bridge. Oh, wait a second, content marketing. That's where it's at. So they start building a bridge. And then when you look back over the life, you see a whole bunch of broken bridges and all the time was busy, but not productive without ever actually getting to that side of the whole thing. And that's what kind of spurred on the information fast to say, you know what, I'm going to just dial in, focus on one thing, stop building bridges. Now, I'm not quite there yet. I'm trying to build bridges one at a time until I get there.
0: And that's proven to be very kind of valuable for my life and my business. Great advice. see it all the time in financial services. I see a lot of broken bridges. And when you look at the most successful guys, Some of them might just have one bridge when it comes to marketing, but they're going back and forth over that bridge as fast as they can. So that's solid advice there. Yeah. Okay. Last question. All right. Um, What is the one piece of advice you can share with the audience financial advisors, obviously, that's led to your success to this point?
1: I think it might be almost a combination of a lot of what we discussed here, right? So if I could sum it up in three, maybe I would say one, give before you ask, ultimately see yourself not as an entrepreneur, See yourself as a value provider to your community. The more value you can provide, the better off things are going to go. Secondly, build one bridge at a time. I mean, that was a big change for me. And then thirdly, and this is way deep to talk about at the end of the call, maybe we'll talk about it some other time. But as soon as I removed anything in my life that felt oppressive, I know this is kind of like way out non-business talk but relationships, people, energies, like anything that was just in my life that felt like it was hard on my shoulders. Or anytime I got to a point in my business where I felt stressed out, I took a step back and I said, what is that? And I removed it. I just cut it off. I cut right at the head. And I said, this is going to hurt. It might cost me money. doesn't matter. Let's just cut it off. And that at its deepest foundation, I think has led to what some might call success in my business right now. The moment I removed anything that felt weighty or oppressive in my life, relationships, people, advice, any of that, everything changed. And so, yeah, we can go real deep into that, but (laughs)
0: maybe another conversation. Episode number two with you and I. I Based on the feedback I know I'm going to get on this, we'll probably have a lot of requests for it.
1: Well, anytime. That's what we're here for.
0: Nick, I just want to say thank you. Super grateful, man. This has been, I mean an hour of just blowing my mind over here. So, and I I know the same thing will hold true to the audience that listens and or watches this. So thank you. I know you have to run. I want to respect your time. It's no, been-
1: uh, no, the honor was all mine. Thank you for letting me hang with you personally. And then also let me indirectly hang with the community here. I appreciate it. And I hope more than anything that people don't just get tickled in their ears, but there's something that they can take away and start to apply to get some results with because that's what kind of jazzes me up. Absolutely.
0: All right, Nick, till
1: next awesome. time. Thanks, Pat.
0: We'll see you. Thanks for checking out the latest show. Here's this week's featured review. This one comes to us from Uncle Polly T, who says, Among the best, after spending almost 20 years in the financial advisory business, I am intrigued by our industry leaders who continuously introduce new wisdom and find new ways to redefine and articulate age-old concepts, which have been time-tested and result in tremendous success. Brad is one of these leaders. Each week, I look forward to learning from him and refining my own leadership, practice management, and client management skills. This podcast has been an invaluable resource. Thank you, Brad. Wow. I'm humbled. I appreciate the kind words, especially coming from someone who's been in financial services almost 20 years now. It's words like this that really drive me to keep putting out great shows and finding great guests. So I really appreciate you listening, Polly. And what I love about this show is it it's obviously the age-old concepts, but it's also finding guys like Nicholas who are pushing the front edge of things that are from my experience really still undiscovered for most financial advisors out there how to market your business on Facebook successfully. So it's fun for me to have such an eclectic guest list that we can still apply all of their concepts and what they're bringing to the table for financial services. So that's it for this week's show. And for those out there listening in, if you want to strike up a conversation, hit me up out on Twitter. I'm at Brad underscore Johnson. I'd love to connect. Also, if you'd be so kind as to rate the show out on iTunes, if you haven't already, this truly helps me out, helps the show get discovered. And yeah, with that, that's it for this week. Thanks for listening and I will catch you on the next show. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Elite Advisor Blueprint. For access to show notes, transcripts, and exclusive content from our show's guests, visit bradleyjohnson.com. And before you go, I've got a quick favor to ask. If you're liking the podcast, you can help support the show by leaving your rating and review on iTunes. Not only do we read every single comment, but this will help the show rank and get discovered by new listeners. It really does help. Thanks again for joining